A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The TalkSport Daily Podcast is proud to be in partnership with Enterprise Rent-A-Car. Whether your business needs cars, vans or larger commercial vehicles, you can rent from the best lineup in the UK with Enterprise. And with flexible long-term rental, you can get vehicles for as long as you need them, from minutes to months. Whatever the mission, Enterprise's mobility experts can build a bespoke solution to suit your business needs. Visit enterprise.co.uk forward slash business to find out more. This is TalkSport Daily. Hello, 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 my friends. Happy Thursday. Yeah, Thursday. Welcome to another Andy Goldstein Talksport Daily Podcast with me, your host, Andy Goldstein. And, of course, there's only one place to start, and that's with more fallout to England's 3-1 win over Scotland. It was live on Talksport on Tuesday night. As you heard on yesterday's podcast, Gareth Southgate labelled the criticism of Harry Maguire a joke. Shortly, we'll hear from England internationals Danny Murphy and Darren Bent. But first, here's the former Crystal Palace owner, owner Simon Jordan, with his name. Robertson picking up on the right-hand side of the penalty area and it's Harry Maguire on the stretch who's got a left foot to it and diverted it in past Ramsdale. I'm not entirely sure why Gareth needed to address that yesterday because the more you address it with a certain section of the audience that are not yeah, having Maguire, the more you're going to amplify it because people are going to be defiant in their respect of what Gareth Southgate says because they but don't you, agree. You not address it, Simon, surely. Well, well you, 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 you can. You can turn around and you can... Diminish the argument by not having it, by not giving it the credence. If you know what Harry Maguire represents and you're prepared to pick him, at the end of the day, dissenting voices and destructive voices in the background will only become louder and more vociferous the more you amplify it towards them because there is an element of vitriol towards Southgate in that mix as well. Social media has changed. Gareth can't live in the past and compare. Unfortunately now, footballers, off the field and on the field, get more more of a microscope on them than they ever have before because of social media and everybody talking. Every game, every performance, every pass, every mistake, every, everything. The Maguire situation, I blame Southgate. Gareth Southgate's the one talking and saying, we need to protect him. There was no need whatsoever to put him out there last night. What are you expecting? The guy's not played any minutes. And in this scenario, I'm not even going to hammer Harry Maguire because I don't think it's, it's fair. You could have probably read the room. And the room was the Scottish fans were going to give Harry Maguire stick when he came onto the pitch. I don't like... What's going on with Maguire in terms of this scapegoating of him now? It's a terminology was used inappropriately by Jaden Sancho, but is actually appropriate in this instance. The majority of stuff that Harry has had to deal with has come from the supporters yep. of clubs. Not so much pundits and commentators, because I don't remember, like you two are just alluding to, somebody personally going for him and saying he's a crap player, because he's not, he's a good player. And he's played bloody well for England. There's one thing, this analysis, that people have issue about some of his performances... And the fact that he's not playing regularly for his side is another thing turning it into a completely destructive mentality which has no benefit to anyone. It's no coincidence sometimes that it keeps happening to him. But when Gareth comes out and says we need to protect him, well, you need to start doing that because you're, you're, you're getting people questioning you because you're picking a player who's not playing for their club, who hasn't played any minutes. 
and you're still sticking by well, he, he's the best that we've got. I don't think he's a brilliant central defender. I don't think he's an 18 million pound central defender. I don't think he's been great in interviews. But I don't think he's a devil incarnate. He never moans. You never see him moaning in the press. You never see him doing articles. Yeah, it might be affecting him, but he shows up every single time. He shows up. Great resilience. And that's because he understands it. Moving on now to Maguire's Manchester United teammate Jaden Sancho, who has now removed a post from social media criticising manager Eric Ten Hag. Hugh Wisencroft was alongside the former England winger Trevor Sinclair on kickoff, and they debated where his future lies. Your actions afterwards tells the manager what you're all about. If you're serious about getting back in the team and you're down at Carrington at 8 o'clock in the morning every morning, grafting your backside off on your own, with the team, with the squad, whatever, but you're seen and you're spotted and you're working, you're putting the hours in, you're putting the grafting, I think Eric Ten Hag might have thought, you know what, I might have got this one wrong um, and the door would be ajar and if he keeps on working like that and starting to impress in training, there's, there's a way, there's a road back to him into this first team squad. I would say, if a manager comes out and puts it in the public domain and says and critiques you like Eric Ten Hag does, I think he's got every right to come out and defend himself. I thought it was bizarre with the words that he used, scapegoat and things like that. I, I, I'm still unsure what that means. Uh, if he would have said, I feel I was training well, I'm going to go and prove that and let the manager make his decision whether he wants to bring him back into the squad, I would have respected that more. I think it was a little bit guarded and it was a little bit... I couldn't understand what he was trying to get across by saying a scapegoat and, 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 and there's other things at play. If there's other things at play and you want to release, say it. Don't, leave, don't give people a little carrot and then keep it private. Yeah, yeah. Do one or the other. Either come out and say it or, or keep quiet. But I, I do believe he had the right to come out and defend himself, especially if he felt like he was putting it in in training. I've said before, I think he does have a right to come and defend himself. I know people say, well, the manager put it in the public domain first. For me, that doesn't really matter. You know, if you've heard something said about you, 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 you don't want it to be relayed any further and you want to nip it in the bud, you can come out and defend yourself. That's fine, but there will be consequences to that. Absolutely, and I think that's. But if, the, if he's got the mentality and the attitude to say, "I don't care about con- uh, the consequences," I'm going to be my own boss here, and I'm going to make sure that I find the path back into that first team by my work rate. But that's the thing. I think when you come out like that, you're almost saying, "I don't really care as much about my fir- getting my first team placed back," because you know you're going to put yourself in direct opposition with the manager. And largely, but make, it, but make it impossible for him to keep you out of the team by absolutely running things in training. But the thing is, you send the tweet, and that could that could have made it impossible for you to get back in the team. The manager could have, listen, could have, could have just 70, said, "He's a seventy-five, eighty million pound asset." The manager has come out and and, and critiqued him in public. Mm. He has got a right to defend himself. I that agree. Shouldn't affect whether he comes in in training. He's the best trainer for the next two, three weeks. That, that should that sure. But listen, there are certain managers. Certain managers would have said, "Look, uh, that's fine." If you want to come out and defend yourself, that's fine. But you're never going to play for me again. We'll get in January or next summer. We'll. we'll, we'll but then move it, you I, I think that's a lie. I think Eric Ten Hag's a liability by coming out and it, and and being public about his critique for Jaden Sancho. If he doesn't allow him to come and defend himself, and and then he's 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 not a player at Manchester United. That's wasting an 80 million pound asset. Meanwhile, the Premier League returns in just two days' time. Hurrah! So here's more from the Spurs manager Ange Postecoglou who joined Jim White and Simon Jordan, and here he talks about what success would be for the football club. For me, I'm not in this job desperate to win something just to win something. I'm I'm here because I want to create a club that has the opportunity to win things on a yearly basis. And there's a difference, yeah, because us winning a Carabao Cup and finishing 10th is not what I think this club's about. And that's not dismissing the Carabao Cup. I want to win every game. Trust me, I wasn't. Uh, I was disappointed on that night as well. But 
that's not the end game for me. It's not about just winning something for the sake of winning something. It's about building something. I mean, that's that's what's always driven me my whole career. I want to build clubs that are, have sustainable success and supporters going to every season, feeling good about their prospects and watching their team play football. And what do you recognise around the place now? Is a winning mentality there? You're trying to engender that, aren't you? Again, for me, a winning mentality, it's it's a funny one. I grew up in Australia where we, we love sport and we want to win everything and we're a small nation and we're usually doing it as an underdog. So you kind of go into every contest being written off and then, you know, um, using that in your favour. But a winning mentality is just you come in every day and you just want to be the best you can be. And it's got to be born from something else because there isn't a football club on this planet, there isn't a manager on this planet that does not want to win. There isn't a player on this planet that does not want to win. I refuse to believe that anyone goes into a game of football, irrespective of the odds they're overcoming, need to overcome, not trying to win. My thing is, it's not just about the winning. It's about playing the game. You've got to believe in something more than just the victory because everyone wants to win. And for me, it's the way we play. That's what it comes down to. And what I've seen since I've got here is a group of players who are open to that. They've embraced that. It's challenging. Uh, it's going to test us. We're going to stumble. We're going to fall along the way. But when we get to where we want to and play the football we want to, the winning should take care of itself. Talk to me about the fit of this particular decision-making process of you going to join Tottenham and the working relationships you have with the key components of it, like Daniel Levy. Look, I think it's essential, Simon. And I think the reason I've probably, you know, had success at just about every club I've gone to is because they've identified what they need in the next phase of, you know, whatever that, that club cycle is in terms of style of football, in terms of environment, in terms of all those things. And they and kind of I I come out as sort of the last man standing in that process. And and when I see that, I know that this the club is a good fit for me because the one thing about me is when when I come in, I'm not going to compromise on certain things. I make that clear in the discussions we have before I accept the role. And when the other party, whatever that may be, in this case, you know, Tottenham and Daniel decided to go with me, then I knew that they were open to, to going in my direction. And then it's up to me. You know, after, after that, I'm going to take responsibility for whatever happens here, good, bad or otherwise. It's not going to, you know, if I don't succeed, it's not going to be because of, you know, something that exists within this club or external factors because I haven't been able to do what I want to do from myself, you know. And, and, and the process for me now is about gaining the trust of everyone at the football club, the supporters, um, the people who run and, and, and own this club, the management, the players, the staff. That's up to me. It's all on me from now on. I think the only thing I ever asked for was that door to be open and, and to be, I guess, supported, which I have been, and... And from here on, it's it's really down to me because I've accepted the role. I've accepted whatever challenges exist within this football club. I've accepted that, and I'll I'll take responsibility for that. On to my show now, and it goes to drive time. And on yesterday's show, we were joined in the studio by a former West Ham and Newcastle midfielder, Kevin Nolan, who was bloody amazing. Here he talks about all things West Ham, Declan Rice, and some of the best bits from his career. He's definitely, definitely one of them up there. Uh, I feel that he's he's got everything. As I said, you know, he's got uh, a maturity beyond his years, and I think we've seen that over the last few years. The mm-hmm. way he's handled West Ham and the captaincy and stuff, uh, he's gone, you know, to a top club in terms of Arsenal, who, who were fighting for the Champions League. You know, I'm not saying that we're not a top club, but he wanted to be in that next level, that next level of Champions League, year in, year out, being around the, you know, trying to pip City to to, to the title and. 
and we could we all knew you know as fans as as staff as players we all knew that it was probably time for him to leave but yeah I, I can I can definitely see that and I can see it them just getting a formidable partnership in the middle of midfield with whoever decide they decide to play with them too yeah it, it, I think it'll, it'll it'll work anyway we're going to talk England a bit later on but while we've got you talking West Ham I want to talk about two players that weren't called up to the England squad Gerald Bone I thought had a great start to the yeah. season and James Wall-Prowse who for my money along with James Madison has been one of the buyers of the summer are you surprised that neither of them got an England call up? Jay everyone talks about his set piece delivery everyone talks about like this and that and like him scoring free kicks and all that type of stuff but what I will say is that you know when sometimes Benty, you know someone's a good player yeah, and you think He's a good player, him. But then when you actually see him in the flesh and you watch him week go, in, week out, wow. you go, he's a top player. And, and and that's what I like about James. He's very, although he's not he's not quiet around the lads, but he's like you know he's everything's just articulate. You know we're, we're with him and and on the pitch, I don't really see him make bad decisions. And I think you know to lose Deck, we knew that we were losing a massive hole in our midfield, and um, but we've done a lot of work on uh, Edison, uh, we Alvarez, you know. We'd known every centre midfielder over the last three years because we, we we thought every every time a window come we thought we were losing deck so we knew everyone there was a lot of talk about McTominay but the thing was we had Alvarez and James Wall Prowse and and I think they've done an absolute wonderful job in filling that you know in that in the hole what mm. what was left um, Harry Maguire how close was that deal to happening Yeah I think it was very close um, and and we were, you know I was a bit upset that it didn't make it. The money didn't get sorted, from what I can gather, which is obviously upsetting from our behalf because we wanted to. Probably upsetting from Ali's behalf and probably Man United's behalf as well. Um, listen, we're going to talk England with you now. Is that right? Uh, is it true? Oh, this is horrible. But is it true you hold the record for the most amount of appearances in the Premier League without an England cap? Yeah. <laughs> but how close were you? You talked earlier on about you know that being on the what do you call it the reserve list or yeah standby list. Standby. Yeah. What England managers did you speak to, and were there any that said, "Don't worry, the next one comes out, you'll be in it." Uh, well, it was around the Sven times. He he come and watched me quite a bit. Uh, Steve McLaren, he he actually uh, infuriated, shall we say, right? Because he <laughs> well, said to me when I was at means Newcastle, you will be right. Yeah, so when I was at Newcastle, I remember he come in to watch his train. Steve said to me, he went, "Yeah, I, I really should have given you a year in England cup, shouldn't I?" <laughs> oh my goodness, yeah. that helps. Get the time you get DeLorean. I was like, Steve, mate, don't say that to me now, will you, mm. please? It is what it is. Mm. Um, I'm just delighted that I played that many times in the Premier League and the three times I dropped out of the Premier League I got promoted back into it um, really pleased with with what I've done in, in my uh, career Your relationship with Big Sam is legendary obviously you two get on do you speak to him a lot? Day no, day? not really no uh, we, we obviously we text each other quite a bit obviously Christmases and that but yeah look he's he's been fantastic for me Have you ever seen have you been dressing where you've seen a massive spat between a manager and a player? There's been a few throughout my yeah. I I, I rem, well, there's been you know a few of the lads, you know, getting held apart. But I remember Sam when he used to go off in the early days at Bolton. It was it was scary. Now Everton are reportedly close on being taken over by American company Seven 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 Partners. Before we hear from the former Everton boss Sam Allardyce, here's our European football expert Kevin Hatchard, who's been telling us everything we need to know about the potential buyers. Seven 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 Partners are a Miami-based investment firm who've been increasingly active in football in recent years, picking up significant shares in Hertha Berlin in Germany, Genoa in Italy, Brazilian club Vasco da Gama, and Standard Liège in Belgium. 
It's fair to say many of their investments are yet to bear fruit. Hertha were relegated soon after the takeover. Vasco made their worst ever start to a league season and are in the drop zone. Genoa were relegated but have since returned to Serie A, while standard Liège fans have protested after the iconic Belgian club claimed just three points from the first six games of the season. Standard certainly aren't the only 777 partners club with unhappy fans. And there aren't just problems on the pitch and in the stands. US court papers show that 777 partners have been accused of fraud, illegal loans and breach of contract. The group's co-owner, Josh Wanda, was charged with drug offences back in 2003. It remains to be seen whether 777 partners' potential takeover of Everton will meet with serious opposition. On the basis of that, and I mean, you know, I mean, it has to be looked into properly, Ali, but it's a no-go, isn't it, really? I mean, it, it would get turned down by the Premier League on the, surely on the fit and proper in terms of who's owning the football club and the troubles we've had in the past years. Like, I mean, The sale is something that they are desperate to see a lot of Everton fans, maybe wary over who the club gets handed over to, but they are at the end of their tether with the way that this club mm. has been run for the last few years. Financial fair play is something that they are now battling against. Ooh, Matt, that's a, that, that is another major one. You couldn't have had a better owner than Farad Mashiri, to be fair. Uh, what is it, £600 million in since he took over and unfortunately uh, not gone in the right direction to take the football club. Great plans of building a new stadium, which is probably halfway built now. Uh, but we, he's, he's probably had enough. You could go through the list of players that they've spent yeah. millions on who've just done nothing for the club uh, uh, but have succeeded elsewhere. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This episode of the TalkSport Daily is brought to you by Enterprise Rent-A-Car. Planning to hire or share a car or van? Enterprise is there every step of the way. Whenever and wherever you need a vehicle and whatever it's for, Enterprise can help. With over 450 locations across the UK, they're just around the corner. Whether you need a weekend rental, a holiday hire, a replacement car or you're planning a business trip, home or away, Enterprise are there to help. To find out more and book, visit enterprise.co.uk. And we end today by hearing from the Lionesses manager, Serena Feedman. The World Cup runners-up have named their squad for the Nations League games against Scotland and the Netherlands. And here she is talking to TalkSport's England correspondent, Faker Others. 
I know you now want it to be all about the Spanish players and that's really important because they did play a fantastic World mm-hmm. Cup final and they and they need to be celebrated for that. But at the same time, Luis Rubiales is still in the headlines. I don't know if you saw the interview he did with, with Piers Morgan mm-hmm. recently. There has been some change for the Spanish players, which is good, I think. Uh, they can move forward now. And while at, other things are still going on uh, at the other side, let's say, put it that way. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, bring it back. Now we, we should talk more about their performance and celebrate that. And they should be talked to those players and, and listened to so how, what, what, what they can do better. But it's not, and it's more than that. So what we said in the women's game, there's uh, other countries, other female football players have had other challenges too. And uh, we should address this too. That's also why I made it bigger. Um, the women's game is growing a lot forward. We always have to see the growth and the things that are really good into the right direction. But there's also still a long way to go in women's football, but also in society. And, and that's why it's so vital that it almost stays in the headlines in a way. And we mentioned, I will mention, misogyny within football, mm-hmm. within society. What do we need to continue doing? What what is our role as 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 a as a high profile coach as a journalist etc what what else can we do yeah i think well first of all um we're in this position because we performed at the highest level which means that we are visible and we have to keep performing to stay visible and then address things also uh, we feel responsible responsible for that too i think our players and lots of female football players feel the urgency to speak up about those things and address those things to make it better. But they're also an example. So we also could say, this is how we behave. This is how we treat each other. We are very inclusive, so everyone's welcome. And and when you give that example, and that's visible, that's good too. And also address it. Uh, And at the other hand, things that are going good, that are going better, also address that because try to be positive and address the things that need to be better. That's it for another podcasty thing. Thanks for listening on the Talksport app or wherever you get your podcast from. Make sure, of course, you hit that subscribe button. I'll be back later on this afternoon from 4 pm on, of course, Andy Goldstein's Drive Time Show alongside the sneaker freak Darren Bed. There will, of course, be another one of these Andy Goldstein Talksport daily podcasts at first in the morning. Do what you've got to do to get it. Until then, thanks for listening. Have a good day and above all. Be safe, everyone. Be safe. That was a podcast from Talksport. The TalkSport Daily Podcast is proud to be in partnership with Enterprise Rent-A-Car. Whatever your mission, home or away, don't delay. Enterprise has the vehicle for the job. Rent from the best lineup in the UK. With over 450 branches, Enterprise has what your business needs. From compact three-door cars to spacious SUVs and people carriers to vans, they offer a large range of reliable vehicles perfect for the job. To find out more and book, visit enterprise.co.uk. That's the sound of another sale on Shopify. In store. Shopify POS is everything you need to sell in person. From payments to inventory, Shopify unites your sales into one commerce platform. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com/retail23. shopify.com/retail23